Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. Welcome, Ephraimites, and shalom. This is your host, Sister Donna Decker, and this is the House of Ephraim, Cradle of Hope, blog radio on Tuesday, December the 12th, 2023. Today is Teacher's Tuesday, but first, a word from our host. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church, God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Welcome back. This is your host, Sister Donna Deckard. I have a few announcements to make. First of all, I want to remind everyone that, hey, happy Hanukkah. I'm hoping you are having a blessed Hanukkah this season. We will be lighting our sixth candle tonight on the Hanukkah. And also, tonight is the beginning of New Moon. So that that is a very exciting time too because we have we have a day of rest coming up and that is awesome. And you know what? I love it. I love having that day of rest. That's for sure. So I want to remind all of you that January twelfth through the fourteenth is our January quarterly uh registration, twenty five dollars per person. 11 to 6 is 10, 5 and under are 3. And uh, we ask that you get that that uh, registration in as soon as possible. Check out our website, www.jewishprofit.com, for more information. We have a YouTube channel. Yes, we do. It's Jewish Prophet is our YouTube channel. And on there, Prophet Mark Reinbold does the Friday evening Sabbath service. And then I have a Wednesday evening Bible study that we do uh, on Wednesdays on that same channel. Well, as I said, today is Teacher's Tuesday, and we are going to continue on with study on temptation. Temptation. Why, why do we have to go through temptation, you know? but it's part of God's plan. It's part of what helps you and I to grow up. It's what causes you and I to mature properly. You know, that's what it is. And God knows, God knows your tomorrows. Do you know that? God knows your tomorrows. And he knows what you're going to have to go through tomorrow. And so he allows you to go through things today to strengthen you, make you stronger, so that you can handle tomorrow. Say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, I know some of you are going, well, Sister Donna, I don't feel very thankful about it. Well, you know, I I totally, I totally understand 
that lack of thankfulness. But we are to be thankful anyway. You know what? We're, we're to be thankful for the good things and the bad things. And if you can learn to be thankful for the bad things that happen, understanding that they are what is strengthening you, it'll change the way you think about things. It'll just change the way you think about things. And you'll have, you have darkness so confused, they're going to go, now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're going through a bad situation here. They should be all down in the polywogs. And listen to them. They're thanking God. What's wrong with them? Well, I'll tell you what's wrong with them. They're mature enough to understand that it's for their own good. It's for their own good. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. We've all, we've all read this. If you've studied Purpose of Temptation, you've read this multiple times. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. In other words, whatever it is you're going through, someone else has been through it. It's common. It's not some special, special thing that nobody else has experienced. Oh, we like to think that's what it is. Oh, nobody's gone through this. I, this is... This is the most worst thing. I'm telling you, Sister Donna. And away we go crying. Away we go crying. But God is faithful. You see why you can be thankful? When you understand that God is faithful, that he will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able. So there is, there is a condition to the temptation you're going through. Darkness cannot put you through more than what God knows you can handle. So when you're in the midst of something, you need to be going, thank you, God. Obviously, I can handle this. I can handle this. But he will also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. See, God is in control. God is in control. He's in control of your life and he's in control of my life. Say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Last week, we ended out talking about how that David ran towards the giant. He ran towards it because he knew his God. He said, how can that uncircumcised Philistine get by with filing God's army? And he ran towards the giant. We have to learn to be giant killers. We have to learn to run towards the giants in our lives. You see, we have to learn that God's word says that we are to be willing and obedient. We are to be willing. You should be willing to go through the temptation. And you should be obedient to God's word to take his word and apply it to that situation. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 22. Matthew 14, 22. And straightway Yeshua constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. And when evening was come, he was there alone. Why? Because he, he, was, he, was, he went to prayer. He was there alone. And the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. So they were having to endure 
a storm. Nothing happens by accident. God won't allow you to be put in a situation that he won't make a way to escape. These disciples were in the midst of a storm. Yeshua knew it when he sent them out there. Do you think he didn't know there was a storm going to come up? I bet he could see the clouds. I bet they could see the clouds. And the fourth night of the watch, Yeshua went to them walking on the sea. What? You can't walk on water. That's what he did. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. I bet they were. You would have been too. Saying, it's a spirit. And they cried out in fear. But straightway, Yeshua spake to them and said, be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. It's me. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come on the water. And he said, come. Now, you know, we always bash Peter because he, because he ended up not walking on the water. But you know what I like to remember? I like to remember the fact that he did walk on the water. He said, Yeshua, if that's you, have me to come walk on the water with you. And Yeshua said, come on. Come on in. The water's fine, Peter. And Peter came out of the ship. And he walked on the water. He walked on the water. Peter walked on the water. I've never walked on water. Peter walked on the water. Peter was willing and obedient. He jumped out of that ship and he walked on the water. And he started heading towards Yeshua. But, oh, this is what gets us all messed up, isn't it? But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. What is the first tactic of darkness? Fear. Fear. Darkness wants you to be afraid. That's what darkness wants. Peter became frightened. He was afraid, and he began to sink. Why? Because fear is the opposite of faith. Peter had used his faith. He had went up against the giant of the storm and the fact that you can't walk on water. And he jumped out of the boat in obedience to Yeshua's command to come, and he walked on water. But then the fear stepped in. All of a sudden, he started thinking with his five senses, didn't he? Whoa, wait a minute. The wind's blowing. The waves are going. You can't walk on water. This is not natural. This is against the natural laws that we abide under. And he became afraid. Oh, we like to give him a hard time. But I want to know something. How many of the other disciples have jumped out of that boat? Would you have jumped out of that boat? Peter jumped out of the boat. He walked on water. He became willing and obedient, and he walked on water. But then he allowed the fear to come. See, sometimes... Sometimes we're walking in faith, and I mean, we're walking in tall grass, I'm telling you. And all of a sudden, we allow our sinking, sinking to overtake us, and we become afraid. And things start looking that funny color brown. And he began to sink, verse 30. 
and he cried, Lord, save me. And immediately Yeshua stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O thou of little faith, wherefore did thy doubt? O thou of little faith. Wonder how many times Yeshua could look at us and go, O thou of little faith, why did you doubt? You were doing it. You were overcoming your giant. You were doing it, but all of a sudden you began to doubt. I don't know, but I'd like to be accused of having big faith, not little faith. And when they come to the ship, the wind ceased. Hello? Now listen to this. This all was going on while that storm was still blowing. It didn't stop blowing until they got to the ship. And then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him and said, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. We have to be willing and obedient. Yeshua understood that principle. Peter was willing to jump out of the boat. David was willing to fight the giant. Isaiah 119. Isaiah 119. If you be willing and obedient. You see, some of us are willing, but some of us aren't obedient. Some of us are obedient, but we ain't willing. I always like to use the illustration of children. You tell children, I want you to come do the dishes. But mom, I'm right in the middle of, no, come do the dishes now. But, but, all right. And you can hear them in there. They're smacking those dishes around. You're like, gee, they're going to break something because they got a bad attitude. They're obedient. They're doing it. But they're not willing. And they're making it very plain that they're not willing. God knows whether we're willing or not. He said, I want you to be willing and I want you to be obedient. And then you'll eat the good of the land. Then you'll conquer the giants. Then you'll overcome the temptations. See why it's important to be thankful for the temptation? God looks at your attitude in the midst of your temptation. Is your attitude, why does this always happen to me? Going to go through it again. Even if you overcome it, going to go through it again. Wrong attitude. God, thank you for this temptation. Hallelujah. I'm going to overcome. Now, that might be the last time you have to go through it. Excuse me. Thank you, Father. Be willing and obedient. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. And Yeshua said to him, If thou canst believe all things, are possible to him that believeth. That's the key to killing giants. That's the key to being a giant killer. That's the key to overcoming in the midst of that temptation. You can believe. If you can believe, can you believe? Do 
you can believe all things are possible. You can walk on the water. You can slay the giant that's bigger than you if you can believe. If you can believe. Let's let's go back to Matthew. <coughs> Excuse me. Matthew eight, eighteen and twenty seven. Now when Yeshua saw the great multitudes about him, he commanded to depart to the other side. And a certain scribe came to him and said, Master, I will follow you wherever you go. How many of us have said that? Lord, I'll, 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 do, I'll follow you wherever you go, Father. God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Willing. Willing. But are you obedient? Will you be obedient? Yeshua looked at him and he said, The foxes have holes and the birds have the air have nests, but the Son of Man has not where to lay his head. And another of his disciples said to him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Yeshua said to me, him, follow me and let the dead bury the dead. And we entered into a ship. His disciples followed him. His disciples followed him. You see, we have to be willing and obedient. Many of us are willing, but we're not obedient to follow him into the ship. We're not willing to to go ahead and do it. We're, we're, We're not obedient to go ahead and do it. The choice that we all have to make. Our behavior in the midst of the temptation that we're going through determines whether and to what extent we will come into our provision. Now remember the law of provision. God gives a promise which is linked to a principle or a condition followed by a problem the temptation, the wilderness that leads to the provision. Your behavior in the midst of your wilderness determines whether you will get that provision or not. Let's go to Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15, verse 1 and 2. Then sang Moses to the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he had triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He's my God, and I will prepare him a habitation. My Father's God and I will exalt him. Now they had just, it's, they, this was right after they saw the Egyptian army drowned in the sea. They had been slaves to the Egyptians for years. All of those people had known nothing but slavery, except Moses. And they had just watched the ma- their masters drowned in the sea by the hand of God. And Moses is singing. And he says, God, you're my strength. You're my song. You're my salvation. God, you're everything to me. Isn't that how we are when... when when God does something, we're like, hallelujah, whoo, that's our God. 
we're singing and we're praising and we're happy. But I want you to go down to verse 13. Thou in thy mercy led forth the people which thou hast redeemed, and thou hast guided them in thy strength and in thy holy habitation. Verse 18, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. <clears throat> They're still singing the praises to God. Verse 20, Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out with their timbrels and with dancings, and Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. <coughs> Excuse me. The horse and rider has he thrown into the sea. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out to the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness, and they found no water. They found no water. <clears throat> what happened to their praise of God now? They'd watched him perform a miracle. But they didn't find any water. What was their attitude in the midst of this temptation? Moses, did you bring us out here that we die? What was their... What was their attitude in the midst of their temptation? What is your attitude in the midst of your temptation? God, did you, you, did you bring me out here to die, to fail? God brought about another set of circumstances, providing them with another opportunity to choose to trust him. You see, temptation is your opportunity to either trust God or not trust him. It's your opportunity. And if you can learn to trust him no matter what it is, <clears throat> your attitude in the midst of your temptation. Your attitude in the wilderness is causing the problem. Are you, are you, are you having pity parties? Are you seeking for somebody to, oh, please feel sorry for me. This is so hard. Is that what it's all about? Having a pity party? God can change your circumstances instantly. Instantly. If he wants. But when he wants to change something in you and I, the circumstances are there to bring it about. to bring about what needs to be changed in you and me. God, what is it that you want changed in me? That should be the question. Not why am I having to go through this. No, God, what do I need to change? The wilderness between Egypt and Canaan, could be crossed on foot in less than two weeks. They were out there 40 years. With each problem, they kept complaining. Their bitterness grew. The rebellion hardened. <clears throat> when they finally got to the promised land, they refused to enter in. Now, that was before the 40 years. 
What about you? Do you go from one temptation to another, complaining and getting bitter and angry and upset with God, fellowship leader, next-door neighbor? Numbers 14. Numbers chapter 14. Remember Joshua and Caleb? Remember how the 12 spies got sent in and Joshua and Caleb, they were the only ones that believed. God rewarded their belief too. Oh, they had to go through the wilderness with everybody else. But they got to go to the promised land. Everybody else didn't. Because they believed. Numbers 14, 20 and 23. And the Lord said, I have hardened according to thy word. This is because Moses had interceded for them. <clears throat> but as truly as I live on the earth, shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, because all these men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice. You see, they did it over and over and over and over and over. They weren't willing and obedient. Oh, they were willing to go to the promised land, but they weren't obedient to what God demanded. And they kept, they kept tempting God with their unbelief and not hearkening to his voice. Surely they not, shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that have provoked me see it. Verse 36. And the men which Moses sent to search the land, who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him by bringing up slander upon the land. These men did bring up an evil report upon the land. Your unbelief, God looks at it as an evil report. And they died by the plague before the Lord. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jethram, which were of the men that went to search the land, lived. Still. And Moses told these things unto all the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. And they rose up early in the morning and got them to the top of the mountain, saying, Lo, we be here and will go to the place which the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. And Moses said, Wherefore now do you transgress the commandment of the Lord? But it shall not prosper. You see, they decided, they, they saw the consequences of the ten spies, and they decided, okay, now we're going to believe. But God had already said that they weren't going to go in. Moses said, I wouldn't do that if I was you. See, you're dealing with the same God that drowned the Egyptians in the ocean. And, and God's like, you guys saw all that. You understand? You understand that seeing miracles doesn't make you right with God? And He said, go not up, for the Lord's not among you, <clears throat> that you be not smitten before your enemies. So you got to make sure God's with you. Sometimes we pull off some shenanigans and we get completely out of God's will. And we may even say, oh, yeah, God told me to do this, when he didn't. That gets us into a mess too, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Back in Genesis, let's look at Genesis a minute. 
Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Here it comes. And the woman said, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. Did God really mean what he said? I remember when I was young. I just had my first child. My first husband was in seminary, and I went to school with him to show off his his baby girl. And so I went to all of his classes with him, sat in the class. And I remember this one class, they were having a debate that day. And so I went in there, everybody came and oohed it all over the little baby girl. And, and then they all sat down and, and the, the four, four or five people, or I don't remember how many, they all sat down at the table in front of the classroom and they began the debate. And the, the debate was about abortion. We're talking some close to 40 years ago, they were debating about abortion. We're still debating, aren't we, today? And they had two of them that, that it must have been four, they had two of them that was talking about how that God's word said, thou shalt not kill. They were talking about how that life begins at conception. They were talking about how that God puts a spirit into your mother's womb when you're conceived. But then we had the other side. And their, their question was, did God really mean that? Because what about if the girl was raped? What about this? What about that? All the arguments that all of you have heard down through time. The serpent hasn't changed any heavy. Hasn't changed one bit. You shall not surely die. God didn't really mean that. For God does know that in the day you eat thereof, your eyes will be opened and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. And so what happened? Eve fell for it, didn't she? She fell for the line. God didn't really mean that, did he? How many of us have fell for the line? God didn't really mean that. There's so many things in the Bible that we... We think that, well, God didn't really mean that. Sabbath, the festival, tithing, eating kosher. All these things that God said in his word, and we go, God didn't really mean that. I'm exempt. I don't have to do that. Subtleness of the serpent. The word forces us to make decisions. Turn with me to Matthew 22. Matthew 22, 37. And Yeshua said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. You've got to love God, no matter what it is you're going through. 
with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Your entire being. Temptation is not real unless it involves the actual possibility of failure. Temptation will always suggest an alternate route to the promised land. And of course, that alternate route always leads right back into the wilderness. Abraham was told by God that he would be the father of many nations. That his descendants would be like the stars, too many to count. But Abraham was getting old. And Abraham and Sarah had a better idea. Genesis 16:3. And Sarah, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, an Egyptian. After Abraham had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband. Abram to be his wife. An alternate way. Chapter 17 of Genesis 15 and 16. And God said to Abram, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her and give her a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Time is still going on. God's still saying, Abraham, this is the promise. This is the promise. This is the promise. Look at verse 17. And Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that's a hundred years old? And shall Sarah, that is ninety, bear? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael may live before thee. That was the son of Hagar. God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed. Thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after. You see, sometimes we think we have a better idea. We think we have a better idea. But the better ideas don't always work out. The better ideas never work out. Turned out that Ishmael and his descendants to this day are enemies to Isaac. They're enemies to Isaac. The alternative way wasn't the way, was it? It wasn't the solution. You and I, we get better ideas. And sometimes we just mess everything up. Obedience will take you through. But you have to have the right attitude in the midst of that obedience. Do you know what God wants you to do? Now there's a question. Do you know what God wants you to do? Understand what he wants you to do. Understand the condition and be prepared to hold on. 
no matter how convincing. The alternate question would be, no matter how so fearful you could get, no matter how big the giant looks, no matter if the serpent is saying, did God really say that? You'd be willing and obedient and you will eat the good of the land. Let's pray. Father, I come before you. Father, I thank you that in your wisdom, you set in your wisdom a, a way for us to grow and mature properly that we, that we could eat the good of the land, that we could be successful in our walk with you. Father, I pray today that there's something that I've said that that has helped those listening to better understand what it is they're going through, why they're going through it, and how how they can overcome it. Father, I know that you're dealing with attitudes today. You're dealing with the attitude of those who are in the midst of it. Father, I lift it up to you right now. I lift up those who have the wrong attitude. Those that are not able and not willing to praise you in the midst of their temptation. Thank you and we praise you, Father. I thank you and I praise you, Father, that you, you have pricked their hearts, you've shown them Father, I pray that they'll make a quality decision. That they'll quit complaining and they'll begin to praise. Now, some of you need healed today. I want you to put your hand wherever it is that you need healed. God's going to heal you. Put your hand there. In the name of Yeshua. In the name of Yeshua, I speak healing. There's somebody, you got something going on in, in your hip, in your hip joint. Put your hand there. In the name of Yeshua, I speak healing. Yeshua! I curse the Lyme symptoms. I command them to leave. In Yeshua's precious name, you're healed from the top of your head to the tip of your toes. Thank you and I praise you, Father. I thank you and I praise you. I want to thank Yeshua's precious name. I want to thank each of you for tuning in today. And I want to remind you that with God, all things are possible. Shalom.